You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. As the introduction suggests, my name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show here in Memphis, Tennessee, weekdays from 2 until 4. You can stream us live on the Odyssey app anywhere nationwide. Joined, as always, by my co-host, he is RJ Choppy, the co-host of Shannon RJ. Weekday mornings from uh, 6.30 to 10, right? 5 30 to 10 close hey look if they let me sleep in an extra hour i'm not gonna say no boy uh it is nice how we decided you know what people need at 5 30 in the morning sports it's it's that's that's that sweet spot that everyone needs he's on twitter at rj choppy rj we discussed it last week how both of us knew 1000 percent the right bet was going to be georgia but neither one of us could do it and you know what? I actually kind of thought about it. I did, by the way, I did hit my uh, my plus 300 Latou to score prop bet. So for, every, for everyone that was listening last week, you're welcome. It was one of those weird ones, though. I was fine the way that it happened. Yeah. Losing, betting Alabama the way that I did and losing would have felt like that felt way. I could live with that a lot better than in the SEC title game when I was convinced Georgia was going to win and Alabama just crushed it. Like that was a that was a very different experience for me. You know, I, I agree. Um, I'll tell you this. You know, in the middle of that game, when Georgia took a 13-12 lead, or whatever it was. Um, 13-9, maybe? Yeah, no, you're right. I think it was 13-9, and then Alabama kicked a field goal, and then you started doing the math. You're like, God, they're kicking too many field goals. Yeah. Um, and then it was 13-12. Bama was plus 210 on the money line. And I hammered him. I hammered him. I was like, oh, this is this is great. Bama's been like, you know, I mean, they've, they've been giving away so many points in the red zone on, on field goals. Like, they're going to get a field goal here. Georgia can't move the ball. Their one touchdown came uh, on, a, on a long chunk play run. Uh, it, it wasn't going to happen again, right? Like, I was like, this is, they're not going to win. George's not going to win this game. I'm hammering Bama. I hammered Bama. And I'm an idiot because I continue to lose. Well, it is that weird reality of when you see the Stetson Bennett fumble, and honestly, shout out to the refs. I think they weirdly got that call right. Like, that, I know. we always, I know everyone loves to complain about officiating. I'm not the world's biggest replay fan, like, in general, especially the way they use it in college just because it slows the game down so much. But I was glad that they had replay on that one because I think we got to see that when you saw the original calls, like, well, that's not going to stand. Like, I, there's yeah. no way that stands. And then they show that one side angle, and you're like, oh, my God, I think they got this right. Like, it was unbelievable. And so you have to yeah. be feeling amazing at that point because you're just like, Georgia, gonna Georgia, here we go again. Let's go. I'll make the money. It was it was tremendous. Like I thought it was going to happen. And, and I'll be honest, like, I, I don't know that I care for a rule 
that allows for a guy to nonchalantly pick up a ball into his hands, not even knowing or having any intention of, of taking it and making it a turnover. Like, I don't know that I, I, I think I should be rewarding that. There's a fair I, – I, I see what you're saying. Also, though, as casually as he grabbed and corra- like corralled the football, like, you got to admit, that did look cool. Like, oh, yeah. I think, I think the spin zone for him is I'm so good that I can get a turnover even when I don't care. Uh, yeah, I mean, look. I don't know that I care whether or not, you know, how he got the ball. I, I, you know, I, I don't care, like, how he got it. It just felt weird, right? The guy felt like he had, A, no idea what was going on, and, yes. B, didn't really – I mean, there was – so because he had no idea what was going on, he took no initiative. There was no sense of urgency. No. None at all. No, so, it was very casual. Know, and, no, very, very casual. It was a cool play, though. Um, I, I don't think that we look back – you know, I, I was talking about this on the radio this week. It just seems like there's less memorable sporting events today than there was 50 years ago, like in the 70s, right, or, or 40 years ago. Like every game had a name to it, right? Every big game had a name to it. There's no memorable – like, you know, we, we see a play and I forget it a week later. That's how busy our lives are nowadays, right? You forget things. If that play happened in 1972, it would have a name. It would be on a Wheaties box. It would have everything to it. And now that play happens today, and, and we kind of laugh at it. And it's just different. Yeah, I think it, I think the point that you make is, I think it's a couple of factors. Number one, I think the most obvious is just way more games. You know what I mean? Like, you know, back in the 70s, what, you know, you got one college football game a week essentially broadcasted. Uh, yeah. And then on top of that, it's the nature of media. I mean, we don't really have myth building anymore. I mean, myth building now is essentially just marketing. Like the the biggest myth builders are Nike. You know, it's the it's yeah. the apparel companies versus Dan Jenkins. You know, writing uh, you know the coming up with the nickname and telling the story and whatnot, and everyone running you know every newspaper covering it. And now it's just, I just don't think that. I don't think things are going to ever feel as big again because I don't think that, like, it's ever going to be like a everyone covers this game, everyone watches this game. I think there's an element of that. Yeah, and, you know, the TV ratings were, uh, you know, they weren't great for this. Um, You know, they were better than they were, what, last year, but they were down, I think, lowest since 05. Yes, uh, I believe it was the lowest title game since 05. And that 05 game was Oklahoma-USC, which was built up as much as any game I can ever remember being built up in recent memory, and it was a dud, dud. Like not not just a dud; it was a dud, dud. Uh, but this was a low, lowly rated game, and I do think that that is college football's most pressing issue: is how do you engage the folks that you know are not on I twenty? Yeah. I mean, right? I, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, like it's. You know, it's one of those situations where the game is getting more and more regionalized and more and more niche. I do wonder, though, it's always kind of been a niche, regionalized sport. Yeah. I think people thought, particularly, I think television executives thought, you know, we can make this the number two sport behind the NFL because America loves football. 
man, I've lived out there. I just don't know how you get people in L.A. to care about college football. They got other things to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I, just, I think it's, you know, you're someone that has the unique experience of, you know, growing up in, in Jersey and then coming down. Like, you just realize it's just different. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's part of people's fabric. And, and I just don't think you can just tell people to care. You know what I mean? You're right. No, you can't. And, and you know, the two biggest media markets of the country, New York and L.A., don't, don't give a you-know-what about college football. Uh, you know, New York's a college basketball town. If, it's a, if they're going to watch a college sport, it's going to be college basketball. Um, you know, and, and L.A. is probably the same way, uh, unless USC is really, really good. But, um, yeah, it has become more regionalized, and it always has been. It's always been, you know, absent in the top two cities. You know, really kind of the top three cities because Chicago, I mean, there's some alumni there, but, you know, the there's no Chicago football. I mean, Northwestern, Illinois, they're not any good. So it's kind of an absent the top two, three cities uh, in the U.S., and it is a regionalized sport. Now, it's been regionalized to the east, you know, if you, yeah. if you want to regionalize, and then now more so to the south. But, you know, you still got Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame, uh, Nebraska, and, you know, you got your Texas schools and Oklahoma, but – you know, Nebraska ain't any good anymore, and Texas can't get out of their own way half the time. So it does become more regionalized. Yeah, and I mean, we also have to look at it big picture. While, yes, the rating is down, I think it's what, still, what, 25 million people watched it? I mean, we are talking about outside of the NFL, this is probably going to be, and I guess it's an Olympic year, surprise. But, I mean, this is going to be, you know, one of the 20 probably biggest broadcasts of the year. I mean, that's kind of you the mean, let, reality. Yeah. Unless you get a game seven in the NBA finals with LeBron against the Nets, you're not touching yeah. 25 million. You know, you're, yeah. you know, the last year's NBA finals got like 12 million and the World Series got like 13 million last year. Yeah. Uh, so like that's we're still doubling them up. Yeah. And it, and it was a for the most part, it was consi- I think most most baseball executives were probably pleased with the ratings last year in the World Series. I would think so, especially when you don't have. Uh, Dodgers Yankees in them. You yeah, know, you probably are pretty pleased when it was Braves, uh, Braves Astros. But I mean, you know, this still got a good number, and basically eleven states watched it. Yep, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. This is kind of a big picture question I wanted to ask you. Do you think with Georgia winning, it's a throwback? You know what I mean? This is this is Kirby Smart building two thousand nine Alabama in the year 2021, and I guess doing it technically in 2022. Do you feel like that this was a, you know, defense strikes back? You know, was this a was this a turning of a page, a new chapter in showing that this is a, this is a new blueprint? Or do you feel like that this was more of a one-off in the way that they won? I'm not saying that, listen, the way Georgia's recruiting, I'm not the idiot that's going to go, this is a one-off. You know what I mean? Like, right. but in terms of, if you ask me, do I think Georgia can win again with a Stetson Bennett adjacent type quarterback? My answer is no, but I'm curious to know how you feel about it. My answer is probably no as well, um, because the likelihood that they were going to play a team that would be without their top two wide receivers and a couple of guys in the offensive line are probably pretty slim. Um, you know, Bama has also a, a, a young quarterback. Right, so who who was who had who not really seen it, who was having to do it all? Oh, I mean, everyone's Williams. Once Williams went out, it was just like, all right, Bryce, go get him, buddy. Yeah, 
Now, the one thing is that, you know, the two best coaches or at least the two championship level coaches that were this year are both defensive guys and they're going to air to that side of the ball. Um, you know, right. Like they're you know, obviously Kirby is always going to, you know, favor defense over anything else. So I, I think Georgia will have a defense. Like this was a historic defense though. I mean, what did they do? They trailed, they, they didn't give up a touchdown in to by their starters until what, like week six. I mean, they trailed what one time the entire year. I mean, come on now. I mean, on top of that, you know, to your point about without the first time I really panicked on my Alabama bet, obviously when Williams got hurt, you can even go out and see on Twitter. Like I legitimately threw out there. Should we take Georgia now? Because I knew that without Jamison, they had no one to like take the top off the defense and that allowed Georgia to sink in. Yeah. The thing that was just really so impressive to me is RJ, that was not exactly a, a bad offense. Every single time they got into the red zone, Georgia just stuffed them. And to me, especially with how shaky of a start Stetson Bennett had, I mean, that's about as, you know, that would be like you and me on number one at Augusta, our first time to ever play. Like, that's how nervy he looked. Like, I mean, he had the shakes. I mean, he just literally dropped the ball as he was running, running towards the first down. But the fact that the defense never really gave up that touchdown that made it a two-score game, it allowed Georgia, I felt like, to not panic and kind of sit in. They didn't never really had to change the game script because Georgia never was good on third down. Bennett made enough plays, but I, you know I, that did not change my opinion. Like, I think the difference was for me. It confirmed to me that Stetson Bennett really wasn't good enough to win that game. The thing that I had left out was that Georgia's defense was good enough to keep Alabama from actually winning the game. Look, the best thing Stetson Bennett did is go on Good Morning America. That was tremendous content. Uh, I'm Absolutely. not convinced. That, I don't know if he has sobered up since. He very well may not have. Yeah, the good so thing for good. him, the good thing for him is, God, I hope he doesn't have a girlfriend. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. how, can we get some Stetson Bennett stock right now? Oh, like, you man. know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the other thing. He can come back next year. And, like, it would be hilarious that if he came back and then they benched him again. Like, because yeah. I mean, when everyone does the, like, oh, you're being mean to him. First off, like, whatever. I get, I'm watching him play football. I'm speaking nothing about his character as a human being. In fact, he seems to be a great kid. And I wish him all the well. But Kirby Smart's benched him, like, four times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is, this is that weird reality. And I guess... For me, this is kind of what I was thinking big picture with that game. Did it feel like the beginning of a new era, or did it feel like Georgia cashing in when they needed to cash in? I, I, look, I think it was a new era in terms of I don't believe they're ever going to be Alabama, and I don't think that they're going to be what Clemson was over the last six years either. Um, but, I mean, they have arrived, and Kirby has shown that he can win his way. I mean, the new era, they're going to win the East for the foreseeable future in the conference. I know Billy Napier's there, and he's going to do great things at Florida. And, I mean, you know, Beamer's got things actually working kind of well at South Carolina. And we'll see what Heifel does with the offense, if he can get a defense at Tennessee. But other than that, I mean, who's competing for them in the East? Nobody. Like, they're going to be in the SEC Championship game probably undefeated for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, they recruit at such a level that you, you can't deny it, but I'm not willing to say this was the beginning of a new era. When we come back, we're going to get in some college hoops talks. We'll do all that next. Stick around. You are listening and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I am Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. RJ, the stories of the week, Baylor and USC fall. I believe that was Tuesday, if I recall correctly. They Weirdly, Stanford and USC was played at like 2 in the afternoon in an empty gym. And listen, I think we all know what the Pac-12 restrictions are, but we're in a situation now where we have no more undefeateds left. I'm curious in your mind. It's January. We're about to get into, you know, separating who we think is a real contender versus tournament teams versus the bubble teams. For you, kind of what has stood out through the first couple of months of college basketball? You know, I think what stood out the most is, is a couple of things. One, there, there probably is no great team. Like, last year we knew it was Gonzaga was the great team all year. Uh, I think the other thing that stood out to me is that, is there, a, like, a, a shift? Like, is the you know, is the ACC, it's not as good as it used to be. And with Coach no, I mean, K, actually, the, question, the question that I wrote down was, does the ACC stink this year? It does. It does. You know, I mean, Miami can, you know, they're, they're not bad. Duke uh, is, I mean, they're always going to be. A, a, a good team. Carolina's not any good. Wh- who's the other powerhouse? I mean, you know, wh- who's the guy? Who's the team up north that's any good anymore? There isn't one. Well, I mean, Maryland fires their coach. I mean, I, I did that did feel like a lifetime achievement award. Like, I've never seen somebody that a school wants to fire every single year and that somehow he like kept his job. It was yeah. remarkable. But you know, I mean, I know they're in the Big Ten now, but like, I don't even. You know, Syracuse feels like. They're all Syracuse does feel like they're positioning themselves nicely to be an 11 or 12 seed that makes a final four run. It, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like we get that about every three or four years. It feels like this might be the year. Yeah, it might be it. I mean, especially because nobody plays the zone and nobody knows yeah. how to how to play offense against the zone. And all they've got to do is get to, you know, get to about 55, 60 points. But, you know, uh, you know, I so I've, I've thought obviously there's no great team. The ACC is not very good, and I don't know how when it's going to be great again, considering their two biggest teams, Carolina and Duke, uh, either have already lost their head coach in Roy Williams or are losing their head coach in Mike Krzyzewski. And quite frankly, the Big Ten isn't that boring, and they got star power. Okay, help me out here, because I have two questions, and they're both – I want your opinion on it. I am someone that believes – Big Ten football is actually undervalued. Like, I actually think they have pretty good football. And I know for Southerners, that, that, that's I'm supposed to be, you know, burned at the stake for that. Yeah, you should be. But I do think it's I think it's underrated in terms of, like, the way we dismiss it. I'm the opposite in basketball. Like, every year that everyone's like, the Big Ten's the best league, like, I immediately – last year I made so much money in the tournament by just fading the Big Ten. Like, I was like, I just don't believe these teams are that good. Is this year different? Because it felt like at this time last year, we were doing the exact same thing where we were talking about the Big Ten is clearly separated itself. I mean, what, we, they end up with 
did they get a Sweet 16 team? I mean, I remember on that Friday night at one point, it was like, are any of them going to win a game? Like, I remember yeah, like right. thinking that at one point. Uh, yeah, I think that, that Iowa, did Iowa make it to the Sweet 16 maybe? Um, yeah, I think the Big Ten is good this year. Um, I, I, they do have some some solid players. Uh, on the flip side, they don't have anybody who is in Ken Palm's teams that can win the title, right? Every year, it's, you, you know, the teams, every year since 2002, top 20 in both offensive and defensive uh, adjusted efficiency. Well, there's only eight of them this year right now at the moment, and none of them are Big Ten teams. Yeah, their best chance is probably Illinois. Illinois is 10th in offense and 29th in defense. But, like, Purdue, which I agree. I, I like watching Purdue because it's they score. Like, that's a, that's a unique thing in college basketball. But defense at 67, like, that's not going to get into the top 15. At least I guess you can make the argument you can make the jump from 29 to 15 or better. But I, I don't see Purdue being able to make that leap. No, it's a big jump. So, I mean, you've got to be in those ranges. And, you know, it's nobody is in those from the Big Ten. Um, so that is, that is concerning from their ability to advance in March. So I would beat Grand Canyon and then lost to Oregon pretty convincingly in, in the uh, round That's of 32. Right. I don't even know. That's are right. we calling it? Are we back to – can we also, like, what are we back to? Is it first round, second round? Like, I, I feel like when they tried to do that change, like, that screwed me up so bad. Yeah. Uh, what, what, did it, what did it used to be called? Like I've almost I've already forgot what it used to be called. So the big deal was they didn't want to make play in teams feel lesser. And to right. that argument I would say, well, then don't make them play play a play in game. Like that's right. By its definition, it's gonna be a lesser thing. So remember they tried to call it the first round, and then they moved the sec the round of sixty four to the second round, the third round, and then I think they realized, okay, well that that's confusing everybody. I think it's back to first, second. You know, first, second, sweet sixteen. So now it's opening round in. I think it's first, first four or something like that. First four, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, first four. Uh, It's yeah, it's. um, I'm back. I'll call it whatever you want to, but yeah, the round of thirty-two, the the second round, second round sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm always a big. I like second weekend team. That's a big. Yeah, it's a big jump for me. If you're a second weekend team, that's a legitimate contender. Okay, the other question that I had because you have some experience with uh, being a Tennessee alum, I have this weird deal with Bruce Pearl where I respect him and I think he is an awesome coach. But there is an element with me of, I think at least the offense is somewhat of a gimmick. And so when it comes to being a true contender, I just always have my doubts. But man, I'm watching Auburn and every single time like they go up against anyone, you just leave impressed and he has the nba talent this year in your mind is this auburn team different than other auburn teams and again i give pearl credit like he's gotten him to a final four like i'm not saying but like i don't know there's just always been like a hang-up with me and maybe it's a little similar to how i used to always be with jay wright where you know used to every time villanova had a chance you're just like okay i'll believe it when i see it and then eventually you know they get the right pieces and you see that jay wright is an elite coach yeah uh, how, I, I do how think. Are you with Pearl? I, listen, um, Bruce Pearl is the girl that got away for me. Yeah, even more than Kiffin for Tennessee people. Oh, forget Kiffin. Like Bruce Pearl, 
is like that was the guy he loved the job he got that job he was grateful to have that job and he got it at the point when it wasn't a very good job being the basketball coach of tennessee was i mean it was like being the football coach of kentucky it was just not really worth anything and he turned it into a great job to the point where now like it's you know they got rick barnes and um who knows what they'll get after him but it's a good job now and he was fantastic there and you know, he went to the Elite Eight, farthest that the team had ever gone. Should have won that game against Michigan State. Uh, I, I love Bruce Pearl. And I still curse the university for not just saying, we'll take the penalty and we're keeping our guy. And, and we'll just... It's, we'll, it's funny to think, is that what they would do today? Yeah, today they would do that. They should at I, least. I, I, I would do it. If I, was the, if, I, if I had my coach... And I loved him. And this guy was like, he was he was a great fit. You've got to look at fit. And he did something that was not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, I mean, he lied about the, a cookout. Yeah. I mean, I've lied about way worse. Uh, you know, like all the time. So, you know, I, again, I, I don't care about it. And I would have said, we will take your three-year show cause penalty and or, or we will take your, your tournament ban and we are keeping our guy. That's what I would have done. I think they've got a tremendous chance. And the difference between this year's Auburn team and a lot of the Bruce Pearl teams in the past is this year's Auburn team is front court dominant. Right? No, and I mean, most of them. And what wins in the tournament? Guard play. <laughs> yeah. Guard play, really, it does. Um, but, they, you know, and they, they have a decent guard. I think they have a transfer guard. Uh, but, like, they're right now his she's a front court dominant team and you're right it, you know guard play does win the tournament but there's a uniqueness to being front court dominant um you control Lindell the inside guard though, too though but i mean you're just right the the, the headline grabber is jabari smith because every time you watch him you're just like how do you stop him you can't guard him yeah you can't guard him and now the only way to now there is a way to beat him in the tournament that's just gonna be foul trouble yeah like that's how you beat him but easier said I than done I think that's also, like, when we talk about storylines, I know everyone is harping on Tim Tebow's crying about college football officiating this year and how it ruined the sport. And you got Florio talking about the NFL officiating. It's ruining the sport. I want to sit both of them down. And I want to do what we do on BetQLU in the action. Just watch a bunch of college basketball games. I want to sit them down and say, watch this. Tell me yeah. how any of these games are officiated the same. Like, you know, like to me, like yet again, I just I know it happens every single year, but it just drives me insane how inconsistently the sport is officiated. I hate the five foul rule. I think they got to go to six. Um, now, I agree there's a penalty that needs to be, you know, had, but the officiating is so bad. It really is. Uh, we talk, we've talked about. I think on my show, we've talked about NFL officials more this year than ever before. And I think we talked about baseball umpires more this year than ever before. And, and maybe just officiating is getting worse. Maybe it's getting worse because the game's faster. I think it's replay. twofold. I think it's twofold. One, I think the guys are getting faster. The, like, if you look at what's the theme in almost every sport, you know, we want to play faster. Like in the NBA, they want to play faster. You know, some teams in college basketball still, you know, 
want to play Virginia style basketball, but like yeah. for the most part, it's like, you know, up tempo, shoot threes. It's, you know, mirrors the NBA game. And in baseball, I think the problem was, I think they're trying to change the strike zone. I think when they Quest are. Tech came in, when mm-hmm. Quest Tech came in, they were telling umpires, if it is off the plate, you do not call it. Cause that was what it was looking for is whether or not you're calling stuff off the plate. And so the strike zone got to be where, you know, a neck high pitch could be called a strike. But if it was at the belt, but it was a half an inch off the plate, it was a ball. So the strike zone got to be just long instead of yeah. wide. And so now everyone's throwing, you know, 101 mile an hour fastballs with sliders and nobody can hit it. So you're just like guessing. And, and I think it changed the game. I think in baseball, they're trying to they're trying to get away from that and change the strike zone. And I think we're just in that weird transition period. Yeah, I, I think we are. And, and you know, in terms of the other sports, like college basketball or, or, or the NFL, um, it, it's, it's frustrating. You know, first of all, uh, the officials, they, they, you know, to have them still uh, conference officials instead of just NCAA officials, I get it. I get why they do it, right, from a, from a travel standpoint. And, you know, it's easier uh, in football. But Because well, there's know. one thing we know, RJ, there's not enough money in college sports right now. No, yeah. none. None. These guys are broke. So I don't know why they're, they're not able to fix the, uh, you know, the, 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 the officiating. You know, replay doesn't help. I don't know why they just don't add an official. You know, instead of having I, three refs on the floor in a basketball game, put four. I, I, well, again, you know, RJ, money. That, would, broke. That, would, that would challenge the way the game's been called. It's like, uh, so? Like, are you trying to get the game officiated right? I. I always just love the excuses. Like, well, it's always been done with three officials. Like, well, we decided once upon a time in baseball to put two umpires down the line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we have seven for big playoff games. Like, I, I don't – I'm with you. It seems to me that having an extra set of eyes is not a, a negative. I just think, like, in general, it's just – it's so frustrating to – A, it keeps me from betting totals. Like, I'm officially, like, out on totals in college basketball, but – you know, the way I, I'm just the way a game gets officiated, it just makes the sport so much harder to watch for me right now. It really does. It, it bogs it down. You know, these you know, the college football games are five hours because of the, the oh, first down mark, the first down clock stops. And there's a million pass attempts and college basketball games, uh, which and I love college basketball, but it, it is they're just slower paced. You know, the shot clock's a little bit longer. Uh, you get two possessions a minute instead of three in the NBA. Um, you know, and, 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 and the problem with college basketball versus the NBA, and generally I like the college game a lot better than the NBA. The problem is, is there's not enough good shooters on the floor. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know, we, we were talking at the break about that Texas Tech Tennessee game at the Garden a couple of weeks back. I mean, it was, I mean, th- those teams both went like seven minutes without making a shot. Well, you don't see that in the NBA ever. And you see it every weekend in college basketball. Oh, I mean, we saw a game go to overtime in the 40s. I mean, you know, that just – but, I mean, to your point, I mean, that's always – I always love, especially down south, you know, NBA don't play no defense. It's like, right. no, they're just incredible shooters. Like, Yeah, they're just better. Yeah. If Kevin Durant wants to score, he can't. You know what I mean? Like, there's just – Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he, if, he, if he wants to get a shot off over the top of you, there's not much you can do. And, and that's just kind of where we are. All right, when we come back next segment, we're going to take a look at some of the big games, including RJ's alma mater. They head to Rupp Arena. 
A lot of good action in the Big Ten and the Big 12. We'll take a look at all the big games coming up next. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. This is BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Some pretty good games this week. RJ, I'll let you take us where you want to go. You'll be in the action tomorrow. What kind of what are what are the games that kind of have you excited? Like this is one I, I can't wait to watch. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a few of them. I mean, obviously, as a as a Tennessee alum, I'm always into a Tennessee Kentucky game. Uh, considering we've had pretty decent luck against them uh, of late, and you know that's a that's a that's always a test. Uh, it's always a test, but I, I got to be honest. You know, I live in Texas. I am fascinated with what has gone on at Texas Tech this year. They lose Chris Beard. Um, they even even when they had Chris Beard, they had a player here and there that was NBA level, but never that like superstar. Right? They were always no, the very Jared, good. The Jared Culver, the guy yeah. that gets drafted, but you know he's on the Grizzlies now. But like, you know, he's a fringe NBA guy. I mean, I know he was a first-round pick, and what, but he's—it's just kind of what he is. But that's—that's yeah. that's the type of player I think you're talking about. It's exactly it. You know, you—you've got a, a an NBA depth guy. That's what you have. Uh, meanwhile, these other schools are getting these high—you know, these these, these big-time prospects recruits, and aren't doing nearly as well. I think it's a really good program they've got built up there in Lubbock. Um, obviously, Chris Beard leaving and going to Texas. That was his dream job. That was the job he was always going to take if he was offered it. Uh, and, and I can't kill him for that. Listen, I've been to Lubbock, Texas. Uh, and I've been to Austin. And, and it, is, it is not close. One place, uh, the only thing that stinks there is that you've, it, it, it's crowded and the traffic's awful. And the other place, it stinks if the wind is coming from the west. That's where the cows are. That's where the dairy I mean- farms are. Bill Parcells told the story of when he was working for Steve Sloan that they'd have to bring recruits in at night so that that way they wouldn't look around. Exactly. You don't want to land in Lubbock in the daytime. Uh-uh. You're just looking at brown stuff. Like, that's all it is. It's just desert. And it's not even good desert. It's like weird desert. It's kind of grassland desert out there. So, it's what to, to be able to recruit, to be able to win at Texas Tech in any sport outside of rodeo, or maybe air rifle shooting is 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 pretty remarkable. And they've been able to recruit kids. You know, kids want to go to a college town that's cool. Right? They want to go to a place that's cool. Like Lubbock, Texas isn't cool. It's just not cool. Um, but they found a way to get kids out there. They found a way to build a really nice program. I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe was it you that had a buddy that his daughter was really smart? And every time that uh, every time that her grades were slip, he was a tech alum. He's like, "Yep, one more of those, and you're headed to Lubbock." Like that was that was like always his threat was was that any more of those slip ups, you're headed to tech. <laughs> that's not me, but that's a good line. 
because that's the way it is. Like, you know, oh, you didn't get into A&M. You didn't get into yeah. Texas. Well, there you go. Head on out west there, young lady. And then go on out to Texas and, and enjoy a dry county and party it up all you want. Uh, yeah, you think you think you don't want to hit the books? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little motivation. <laughs> uh, let's turn our attention to uh, – I don't know how you feel about Coach USA, uh, Coach K. I can't stand him. I think he's the most sanctimonious, like, just awful – I can't. I I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I I don't even like. If I say get well soon, trust me, I'm being sarcastic. What do we think of Duke this year? Because you see him play at certain times. Like, there's a part of me that thinks like there's no way he's gonna put together a bad roster for his retirement tour, which is also the most freaking self like masturbatory thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But. I don't know. Like, I see them. They look like I feel like every Duke team I've seen, like, the last 10 years where it's like, I know they're good. I just don't think that they're, like, a title team. You know, my biggest fear about this year is that we're going to get to the tournament and Duke will be healthy. And if you thought Duke got favorable calls from officials in the past, I I, I regret to inform you, you might want to skip March. Because I don't think we've seen anything yet. Like, Coach well, K, when he announced he was going to retire, he basically guaranteed himself every call in March. And I mean every call. Larry Brown, who's now on staff here at Memphis, you know, Larry Brown's obviously a Carolina guy. He was on a, he was on a podcast with someone and just took an unbelievable ricochet shot at, he's like, because obviously Roy's his guy. Like, yeah, you know, Roy stepped down with no fanfare. Not exactly like that guy over in Durham. Like, it was just, like, so, like, just seeped, seeped in disgust. And, like, just what a look-at-me hero he is. Just shout-outs to him. It was good to see him last week coaching up those kids from Georgia Tech again. Like, I always love, love when he coaches up another kid, another team's kids. Love it. And then he'll cry at the podium. Oh, my God. And then make sure – Make sure we got the cameras just so when I'm walking into their locker room. I just want to make sure that everybody yeah. saw that yeah, I, I that I went. Well, the reason I why I bring Duke. it up is love Duke. one of my – oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, I just oh. love Duke. They're taking on NC State. And one of my favorite 30 for 30s is the Survive in Advance, the Valvano yeah. NC State. Uh, every time it's on, I, it's it falls into, like, that cable, that cable TV movie that you'll just – you know, you'll sit through at least a scene. If I'm Jim Valvano's entire family, like, the revisionist history that Krzyzewski has done, making it seem like that he wasn't the one that was throwing him under the bus to the NCAA and whatnot, I would just hate him. Like, I I would just sit there and say, like, do not speak about our father, our grand, like, never take his name off your lips. And the fact that, like, Krzyzewski finds a way to, like, make it seem like that they were the best of pals, lifelong friends. Like, yeah. that absolutely disgusts me. So, for that, that being said, do we know is he going to be on the sideline? Because I think I might have a spite bet and just take NC State, just out of spite tomorrow. I don't know I, that we know yet if he is going to be on the sideline for this game. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point you make. Because I mean, that is you are right. I mean, that is the rumor that he was the one that dimed him out. I mean, that's that, that's kind of how it works. Um, you know, but, but coach K is, and look, I, I have a, I have a love hate with him. Like I, I, res, I totally respect what he's done. I like, you know, I like the facade of the program he built. Let's put it that way. 
yeah, the, the image. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a he's a marketing gimmick. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd be fooling ourselves like if we thought that everything at his pros on the up and up all the time. Like, oh, it's just... uh, and, and I and I'm like you. I acknowledge he's the best coach. Like I, I, yeah. I firmly acknowledge like that. But it's like I still can't stand him. He's so self righteous. Oh my god, yeah. he's he's insufferable. Like there's guys I like, I dislike more. I dislike Cal more. Um, I dislike Beheim more. I dislike Calhoun more. Um, Patino. Uh, but that's because they're 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 like, at least in the Cal Patino, they're slimy and they embrace it. They yeah, I was know say, it. at least like at least with Cal for me, like there's an air of respect. Like at least he owns it. Yeah, Coach K is, is kind of slimy, and he and you know because they all are. You've got to be somewhat slimy. If you're going to build a roster, if you're going to build a roster, you're going to have to do some uncomfortable things. Yes, you are. You are going to have to get very uncomfortable. And he's built the roster. And, you know, he did cultivate, you know, juniors and seniors. And then he transferred over to one and duns. And he's done a great job with it. Uh, but his image that he has built, like, I'm, I'll, honestly, I'm kind of jealous. I mean, I wish that I was able to do as many, you know, off-color things as college coaches do. And have the image of purity and sanctum. I would love that. I just don't have the ability to do that. It is funny though. Like, how does he get away with it? Like, in the end, like you know, the NCAA has like, I've always said, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna try and do it the way the big boys do it, you have to be buttoned up, because when the big boys land a big kid, there's just not as many questions. Like, of course they did. Like the NCAA. Like, I've still never figured out how Duke was able to like. You know, you've got Indianapolis calling Coach K for his thoughts. It's like, I need to know what he did, like, on this scam. Like, how did he get them wrapped around his finger? You know, uh, because, well, here, look, we all know how coaches get in trouble, right? Yeah, you get they sloppy. Get, they get sloppy or they have a disgruntled assistant. Sure. Rat him out. Coach sure. K doesn't fire assistants. Look who's on his bench. They're well, his former better. Remember when uh, Capel, remember when Capel was at Pitt, and the the student section went after Capel with chance, and he's like stopping it. It's I'm sitting there going, everyone's like, oh, what a class act. Go, no, because Capel knows where all the bodies are buried. Every single one of them. Yes, Every single one of them. I mean, Chris Collins was on his bench for two decades. <laughs> Tommy Amaker was there for like thirty years. And it's no surprise, like, Dean Smith, Phil Ford was there for three decades. Guthridge Shoot, was there uh, forever. How long was Guthrie there for? Guthridge was there for, you know, it's just like the 60s. I think yeah. he was Larry Brown's coach. I think he coached Bob McAdoo. Like, I, I think he was that old. So, I mean, it's... What a sport. If you don't want to get caught, don't fire an assistant. Just keep paying him. I mean, there is loyalty can be bought. Uh, I think that that is. Of course it can. I think that's the lesson. All right. Alabama is an interesting team. Nate Oates, I think, is a terrific coach. Yeah. They're weird this year in that you'll see them for stretches in a game and you think that they're awesome. And then you will see them like the final possession in the Auburn game or like the last 30 seconds. You're like, oh, my God, this team's never played basketball before. Like, where are you on them? I think it's the beauty and the curse of being a outside shooting team. You know, sometimes when you're on, you look like you can't be beat. And then there are other times where you struggle to score 60 points because you're just not, you're not hitting your shots. 
And that's where Alabama finds themselves sometimes. And, and they're certainly not alone. I mean, basically every team that has kind of had this style of play at some point, you know, Alabama can go into a gym and beat anybody by double figures. And they can lose to just about anybody by double figures if they're off that night. I think it's just the curse and the, Missouri. And the blessing. Yeah. I think it's the blessing and the curse of being, an, of being a, 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 you know, a team that relies on three points. We are here each and every Friday at 11 Eastern. Also, when you wake up during Saturdays, also once the action kicks off, it's four hours of in-depth college basketball reaction and more. RJ will be with you tomorrow. It's all available on the Odyssey app. I am Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. He is RJ Choppy. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Choppy. We want to thank you for listening to and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.